for the bright sunshine. We thank you for the change in seasons. We thank you for, for what that means to us spiritually as well. As we're coming out of, of, of a season and, and transitioning into another one. Lord, as has already been talked about and thanked for, we thank you for your faithfulness. And no matter what season we're going through, you're right along there with us. So Lord, I pray that you would be uh, with us, that you would be here, that your spirit would go forth and work in hearts, and that we may serve you well as your children. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Since today is going to be a little bit more interactive, with it being the first of our two service Sundays, I want to start out, we're going to have a little bit of fun here for a few minutes, uh, start out by throwing out big names from the Bible. I'm sure you've heard a lot of these. And you guys shout out the first thing that comes to your mind that you know about them from the Bible. All right? You ready? Okay. Abraham. Very good. Sarah. Okay. Very good. Isaac. Very good. Eliezer. The first one. Oh, oh, I see. A little bit more quiet there. We know Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, but not so much about this guy named Eliezer in, in Genesis. However, in the story of the father of what would become the nation of Israel, Eliezer is one of the most important people, and we'll see why. Well, we read in Genesis 24, so if you brought your Bible with you today, turn to Genesis 24. This will be a shorter message, uh, but I still want us all to see this together. It's the first book in the Bible, uh, so if you just go all the way back to the beginning and start flipping through, you'll get there eventually. Uh, Genesis 24, and we're going to start in the, in the first four verses. Please read along with me. We read, Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham's son of the promise, Isaac, is now grown up and at the point of his life where he should be getting married. The problem was that Abraham had left his entire family behind back in Mesopotamia when he followed God's command to leave his homeland to go to a land that God would promise to him. And we might think, well, so what? What's the big deal? The big deal was this. We touched on this last Sunday, but at the point that God called pagan moon-worshipping Abraham from his homeland in Mesopotamia, in Mesopotamia, no one else on earth followed God. No one else on earth worshipped God. But God called Abraham. Abraham turned from his paganism and put his faith in the one true God. And from that point on, Abraham was the only one with this treasure of faith entrusted to him. Abraham preserved this faith the rest of his life. And when Isaac was born and grown up, guess who now was supposed to carry on that preserved faith? Isaac, right? He's now the one that's supposed to carry on that preserved faith. And as we look back through the nation of Israel's history, what was the fastest way to contaminate and suck in and distort and ultimately lose that faith in the one true God? What was the fastest way to do that looking back at the history of the nation of Israel? 
marrying somebody from a surrounding people group who was fully involved in a pagan religion. That was the fastest way to lose that. So even though Abraham's family was still not believers in God and were probably still pagan themselves, it was the next best thing there, there was because there was still this respect and honor for family. If Isaac married a woman from his father's family, there was a much higher chance that she would honor her husband enough to not destroy her husband's faith, and that faith would be preserved through Abraham's bloodline. Now the act of Abraham's servant putting his hand under Abraham's thigh seems pretty weird to us. And the explanation will still seem pretty weird to us. But with, with the taking and carrying out of word-based oaths was very, very, very important back in these days. The inside or under part of Abraham's thigh symbolized, let's just say, the part of Abraham from which Isaac came. Since the oath pertained to continuing that bloodline through finding a wife for Isaac and preserving the faith that went along with that bloodline, this was the symbolism of that oath. Now this servant wasn't just any servant in Abraham's household, right? We read in verse 2 that this servant is the oldest servant and therefore the head servant who is in charge over everything in Abraham's household. Let's jump forward to that head servant's response to Abraham's request. And, he, and we read in verse 9 through 11, So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master and set out with a variety of good things of his master's in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. This is, these are the verses that we just read. All of this seems pretty straightforward when talking about this time period, the culture, and that Abraham is sending the head servant of his household to carry out this task. Not only that, but this head servant does exactly what he's swearing to. But let's stop for a second and think more about what this head servant actually following through with this oath really means. Flip back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to be in the first couple of verses of Genesis 15. And we read in verses 2 through 4, when God promises Abraham a son, that, God, that he would have a son from him, we read starting in verse 2, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. Who was going to be Abraham's heir of everything he owned if Isaac had not been born? Eliezer. None other than the first and therefore oldest and male servant born in Abraham's household, and therefore head servant, a man named Eliezer, the same head servant we see turn up in Genesis 24. Now that's huge if you think about it, isn't it? 
In those days and location, if you were rich and had livestock and a household and servants and therefore an inheritance but didn't end up having any children, you could legally adopt and make a servant your legal heir of your inheritance. That was the custom back then. That's exactly what was going to happen with Abraham. His head servant, Eliezer, stood to inherit everything from Abraham. What did... Eliezer actually have to look forward to. Genesis 13.2 tells us, Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. That's everything Eliezer had to look forward to. This was all going to be Eliezer's someday. But then what happened? Abraham ended up having the son that God promised to him and Sarah in their old age. All of a sudden, everything that Eliezer had to look forward to was ripped out from under him. That had to hurt, didn't it? Eliezer was so close. After all, Abraham and Sarah were well beyond natural childbearing years. He may have thought he had it in the bag, and all of that inheritance was a sure thing at that point. In fact, according to Genesis 15, even Abraham thought it was a sure thing that all his inheritance was going to Eliezer. And he lamented about that before God. But with the birth of Isaac, all of that suddenly disappeared in smoke for Eliezer. And now, when we come to Genesis 24, in reality... What is Abraham having the audacity to request from Eliezer? To find a wife for the guy that took away everything from him. To find a wife for Isaac, in reality, was the nail in the coffin for Eliezer seeing any of this inheritance. Any of it. Think about it. Now that Eliezer, not, not that Eliezer would have been hoping for it, but if Isaac did not get married and ended up, God forbid, dying before Abraham, who would the inheritance automatically revert back to? Eliezer. But by Eliezer finding a wife for Isaac, and Isaac obviously not wasting any time getting an heir of inheritance for himself with that new wife, Eliezer was essentially completely slamming that door shut from any possibility of receiving any of this inheritance. And this is where we see what a true servant's heart looks like. Knowing all of this, Eliezer not only takes the oath Abraham requested of him, but he follows through with it and, get this, prays for God's success in carrying it out. That's crazy, isn't it? Find, let's, read, let's read in Genesis 24, 12. He said, O oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. Who's, who prays for that, knowing all of that? And show loving kindness to my master Abraham. That's a true servant's heart, isn't it? Setting aside all of his lost hopes, all of his frustrations, all of his emotions that he obviously had because he was a guy just like you or me, to faithfully serve his master. 
We serve a master who we are to serve faithfully with all of our hearts, not out of compulsion, but out of love for what he's done for us. He has paid the price for our salvation that we had no hope to pay in order to give us eternal life with him, and he promises to take care of us and always be with us every step of the way during this life now. Our service to him has nothing to do with what we feel like, or more often than not, what we don't feel like doing. It has nothing to do with that. We're going to hear from a few of our ministry leaders next. We're going to hear from half of them today, like I said, and the other half next week. We're going to hear about different and various needs that they see God has gifted us as members of his body to take care of in order to help strengthen those ministries. Some of them are discipleship ministries where we were teaching brothers and sisters more about God and his purpose for us, as well as teaching the truths of God's word to the next generation. Some of them are outreach ministries where we serve our community in the humility and love of Jesus, pointing those we serve to the hope of Jesus. So as we're listening to the presentations of our ministry leaders, let's all keep our hearts open, setting aside anything else that would prevent us from faithfully listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit and carrying out the work that God has called us to fulfill. I would encourage all of us to see what God is leading us to do and put our names down for at least one item that we could help strengthen the ministries that God has entrusted us to be good stewards of. Let our mindset echo the prayer of Eliezer as we faithfully carry out the work of our King and Master. O oh Lord, our God, please grant us success today as we serve you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the glowing testimony of this man named Eliezer and what a true servant's heart looks like. Lord, I pray that you would bless the time, the rest of the time that we have today, that you would stir within our hearts, that we would strengthen the ministries that you have entrusted uh, us to be good stewards of. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.